Welcome back to Betting Pros' College Football Win Total Preview Series. I am your host, Thor Nystrom, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mike Farrell of Mike Farrell Sports. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the Pac-12 and giving you all our favorite win total bets from all around that conference and sharing all the intel that we have collected over this summer, beginning with Lincoln Riley's USC Trojans and the defending Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. Their win total uh, set at nine and a half. There is some tens uh, out there, just like with Clemson. You got nine and a half and tens, depending on where you shop. So look around, depending on where you think of USC. Mike, at that win total, Caleb Williams coming back. Of course, you still have some questions on defense. Fun team, though. What do you think about USC, and where would you go at that win total? Uh, under nine and three. Oh, uh, they didn't make. Well, they wow. didn't make the changes they needed to make on defense. I mean, Alex Grinch is there. No offense to Alex Grinch, but she's still there. We saw that doesn't, you know, fly at Oklahoma. It didn't fly last year. Um, they're not that good in the trenches. You know, they should be slightly improved. Um, the defense is going to be an issue. But my problem is not with the roster. Of course, Caleb Williams is amazing. Of course, Dorian Singer is going to be probably better than than Addison was. Uh, as far as a, a, an impact guy, you know, the running game should be okay. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, how much Marshawn Lloyd brings. I mean, he's good. A lot of people looking at that high school rating and he's a different back. But my problem is the Pac-12 is really good. I mean, th this is not a, an easy road. Um, it's just, if this league was average, if this was prior to last season and Washington was Washington, you know, and Oregon was solid, you know, but still, you know, backing their way into a COVID Pac-12 title and losing games that they shouldn't win. And, and you know, the teams of, you know, Utah and Oregon State and everybody's improved, even Colorado, which we'll get to. You know, I'm not saying Colorado's beating USC, but the, the depth of that conference is so much better now that I think, you know, he took that step from four and eight. And I think it's going to be a slight step backwards because I don't trust them in the trenches or the defense. So I'm thinking nine and three, which isn't bad, but I'm not taking nine and a half above and I'm certainly not touching 10. So I'm going to, I'm going to preface my comments by saying this, uh, this is how I see the PAC 12, which is, I agree with you qualitatively. They've got the, this conference and it's really unfortunate because RIP Pac-12. This is going to be the yeah, last time we're, we're previewing. Good year to go out, but RIP. Very good yeah. year to go out. But the way that I see this conference, they have three elite teams, three teams that wouldn't surprise me at all if they make the, you know, one of these three teams could make the college football playoff and probably will, USC, Oregon, and Washington. And then I How think. How dare you? How dare you not include Utah? I'm so, if if Rising and Keithy were healthy and I was confident that those guys are going to play 12, they absolutely be included. But I'll put them right, you know, I'll put them in tier 1B just because of those slight questions. And then there's two other teams that I, in that conference that I think are very good. So I'll put them tier 2, Oregon State and UCLA. But then there's, for me, an enormous qualitative drop between those how I many six teams and then the 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 next team or whatever like i got washington state after that but i have washington state cal arizona arizona state and colorado i have those five teams very closely grouped in my power rankings and then 
an enormous drop and then Stanford way down there at the dregs of the FBS. So that's sort of how I see this conference. And, and that will sort of inform like the, the way I see these win totals. I shade that USC one a bit over if you get the nine and a half number. It, it's another one where if if your book has 10, it's the only option you got. That's where I'd be skittish about it. But at nine and a half, I'm, I'm going over on it. Um, I, I just like this team. I, I think they're getting to the, the 10 wins. They do have the propensity though, to like, they're, they're apt to potentially get picked off because of that crappy defense. They're going to be in these shootouts and you have some of those other elite teams in this conference that can put points on the board. And USC's defense was so bad last year, like you were talking about. And yet they had one of the nation's best defensive backs in Makai Blackman. He was literally, I, I think he might've been PFF's top rated defensive back. And they benefited from some of the most uh, turnovers in the entire nation. They were, you know, top three or whatever, like in that. And that led to them being number one in the nation in turnover margin. And you wonder if losing one of the nation's best cornerbacks and then, you know, uh, if if you're not generating, you know, top three turnovers again, like what, what that does, they're going to have to be qualitatively better on defense to offset that if if they fall back at all on that and you know hopefully, yeah. hopefully they will be in year two at Grinch and they they went out and they got some uh, solid defenders uh Mr. Bear, Bear Alexander and, and a couple of guys like that hopefully right the, the offense is going to be freaking nasty but like they're gonna have to be well here's my concern is if Caleb Williams misses one or two games they're Problem. never reaching that number Bryce Young had his injury situation and they had a roster they were able to, you know, still overcome that. Um, USC doesn't have the roster to overcome that. So if he gets dinged up and he's not a big guy and he runs, not not as much as people think he runs, but he does run, he scrambles, does a lot of off-platform awkward throwing. You know, if he gets an elbow or a shoulder and has to miss one or two games, they're not winning those football games because they don't have the roster to do it. That's why I'm concerned. So let, let's group these two teams that are both nine and a half across the industry. Every book you look at and both them uh, offensive juggernauts who have some defensive questions, Oregon and Washington. Like I said, both those teams sitting at nine and a half. Is there one of those two teams that you like more than the other, Mike? And and where would you peg them as far as their win totals go? It's tough. I mean, Oregon, I like Oregon a little better. You know, I really do believe Bo Nix has turned the corner. I think if he didn't have that ankle injury at the end of last season, they were rolling. I mean, he was unstoppable. We did our thing every Saturday, and, and we did our props. And every week it was like take Bo Nix over rushing because he was really dangerous as a dual threat. Then after he got hurt, it was like take Bo Nix under rushing because he couldn't move. That was a big problem. But Dan Lanning's a defensive coach. Um, I think they're going to get better on defense. We don't know how good a game coach he is. Um, Washington has talent, but they were so banged up in the secondary last year that they weren't able to stop anybody. If they have any sort of injury issue like that this year, it's going to be the same thing, and they're going to have to outscore teams. I think Oregon can win some football games without having to outscore, and I think Washington has to outscore everybody. So it's tough. One of those teams is going to go over that 9.5, and and the other one's going to go under. I'm picking Oregon to go over and Washington to go under. Okay. Yeah, my my projection sort of split the difference there. I, I'm right around those numbers. I, I have Oregon at 9.9 and I have Washington at 9.8. They're, 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 I mean, they're right next to each other in my power rankings. Oregon at 12, Washington at 13. I really like both those teams. 
it's hard for me to parse there at that nine and a half number. I don't think there's a ton of value there. So unless like, you know, you sitting at home, you, you feel like super bullish about one of those sides. For me, that's a stay away at, at that number uh, for both them because I, I feel like that's fair. And and it's another thing like, Mike, you're talking about like with uh, the injury thing, like what you're playing with there is, you know, for instance, I, I hate to even put this out in the universe, but for instance, Michael Penix is a guy who had four straight season ending injuries at Indiana. He didn't last year and he was friggin' awesome last year. But if he happened to go down with one this year, there's no way they're hitting that. Right. But if he goes through the season healthy, a decent shot, they could get to 10. Right. Like, so like, but you're, you know, you're sort of playing with, with different stuff like that. For me, there's way better value to have on the board. So those are two passes for me. Speaking of health, this is a professional segue, Mike, the Utah Utes who are at eight and a half, which is like, if you're looking at this one, it, it would be another case of like every off season, you look at Utah's number and it always feels too low, which this one absolutely would be were it not for the, the statuses of Cam Rising, who goes into the season with his status totally up in the air. We have no idea if he's going to play in week one, if he's going to play in September. We, we have no idea. Um, coming off the knee injury, which su- suffered in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Brant Keithy, he, he suffered his injury earlier in the season, uh, end of September or early October, I forget. But that's what facilitated Dalton Kincaid getting all the targets then and just going thermonuclear after that. Keithy's obviously his timeline is is moved up and I will say at the end of uh uh July uh, uh coach there said that uh Keithy uh seemed like he was on track to play in in week one whereas it he did not sound optimistic that rising was going to and then just in the past couple of days the backup quarterback at Utah got injured so I don't know what to think of this team we we still have a couple of weeks until they kick off the season but that is a lot of questions for a team that is eight and five. But if it's totally healthy, I would feel confident about the over. Mike, do you have a crystal ball and can you help us out any with the Utah Utes? I'm taking I'm taking the over because oh. I, I really well, I believe in this roster. I believe in Kyle Whittingham. I had them beating Florida last season in the opener. Uh, I was surprised they lost. You know, they really didn't scheme well against Anthony Richardson, as we learned as Kentucky and a lot of other schools taught us. Um and I think they were surprised, but they still should have won that football game. Um, they were a better team. They were a better team than Florida this year. It's a revenge tour, sort of, you know, let's beat Florida this time. They're on our home turf. Their their defense is excellent. Um, their linebackers are probably the best group in the Pac-12. Um, they're going to tackle. They're going to hit hard. They're going to, you know, pressure you know, Graham Mertz is back there. It's not Anthony Richardson this time. If Rising is out, it's probably only going to be for one or two games, I guess. Keithy will be back. And they never have trouble finding a tight end, at least That's over true. the last many years. Yep. They just seem to pop somebody up. Um, you know, somebody gets hurt, somebody else pops up. And they've got depth at tight end on that roster. Um, and, and the tight end is extremely important, not only from a target situation. Dalton Kincaid, I think, had like 85 catches in one game. Um, but also from a blocking perspective, their offensive line is strong. They have a very strong running game. They fumble. If they would stop fumbling here and there, it would certainly help. But I think from a physical aspect, this team is 9-3. and three, uh, And that's not the ceiling. I think that's the floor. Um, they could be a 10 and two football team. And every year I think they could be a playoff contender. So I have them in that upper tier because they're more balanced. I mean, USC 
has a, a, cr- a crappy defense. You know, Oregon, you know, they have talent and playmakers. Um, but if Bo Nix can't do what Bo Nix does, they're really struggling. Um, you know, Washington, we already talked about the defensive backs. I think seven of them were hurt last year. Uh, but if Penix gets hurt, they're in big trouble. This is a football team that if their quarterback is hurt, they will still find a way to stay in games and win football games. So I'm over. Yeah, I mean, like, if if I had to, that's probably the way I'd shade it. I mean, I knocked him down my power rankings because of the health concerns. But if I took that off, like, I, I'm at I'm at nine right now. But I'd be at nine and a half if I took the, that modulation off. Um, this is a playoff contender w- without that stuff. And who knows? And, and like you said, they're not as dependent on, like, I mean, Keithy, you saw last year, I mean, Keithy went down. It didn't really matter. And and we've seen even, like, the guys behind Kincaid, they figured prominently into a couple of those games, and they played really well. Um, the rising one is the one that concerns me a little bit more, especially when that other kid I w- just went down, uh, Rose or whatever. Um, we just have to see about that, uh, like how that goes. But the talent on this team is really good. They have the conference's best defense, and you mentioned their offensive line is really good. The the left tackle is one of the best returning offensive linemen in the conference. They have one of the conference's best offensive lines. And by the way, they go three deep in the backfield at running back, and their running backs are all sick. They'd start at most of the power fives in the country, like all three of them. So, I mean, like, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, everywhere else, right? Like, and, and this is the only yeah. team at the top tier of the Pac 12 that's not quarterback dependent. Cam Rising yeah. is better than the other options. But they're not quarterback dependent. Caleb Williams gets hurt. Penix gets hurt. Knicks gets hurt. All those teams are seven and five, eight and four football teams at best. This is not that team. So I I like them a lot better than most people. That eight and a half number is low because of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Because there's the potential of losing one of their first two games, maybe both, but unlikely hammer the over for me i like this bet yeah and as we know utah is the usc antidote so i mean they they got that going for them too uh mike moving on to a couple uh other teams in this uh conference that have eight and a half hanging on them in vegas oregon state and ucla both eight and a half across the market obviously very different uh types of teams have been built different different identities and whatnot what do you think about about the beavers and the bruins with those eight and a half numbers I'm going under on both. Um, Oregon State had a tremendous season last year. Smith is a very, very good coach. They're a tough football team. You and I remember talking about that Saturday game against, you know, the bowl game against Florida and how it was stealing money. Yes. And it was just so easy to predict that they were going to thump Florida. Uh, you know, it's it's a similar football team. It's not like they lost a ton of talent to the portal. It's not like they lost a ton of talent to the NFL. But for me to bet – Oregon State as a football program to, you know, win nine games again. It's just, I can't do it. I, I would say pass on eight and a half, but if you had to bet it, you know, run to head, take it under. UCLA, I worry a little bit about the losses. You know, DTR wasn't great, but he was experienced. I mean, he played there for 58 years, it seemed. Charbonneau was, you know, he was a big part of that offense. Um, I don't know. Are they going to start Dante Moore as a true freshman? I mean, if you're if you're giving me Dante Moore as a true freshman and you're ta- you t- you're telling me that number, I'm I'm taking under, just because I don't know. I know he's good in high school, but I don't know if he's going to translate that. I mean, how how many 
how many Trevor Lawrences are there, you know, true freshmen that are going to lead you to, you know, uh, near undefeated seasons in national play. It's just not out there. So there's question marks. Um, if I had to choose one to go over, it'd be UCLA, though. I think Oregon State's going to go under. I, I wouldn't really touch UCLA, uh, but I'm certainly not betting the over. The, both of these I'd shade over. I, I think both these teams go nine and three this year. Oregon State's schedule, well, actually, both these teams is the reason why. Both their schedules are super easy. Um, what, like, they they both caught it right. Oregon State moving into that facility and and like I said, they 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 catch that the the schedule right. Last year they go eleven and two against the spread. They have the double digit win season despite having quarterbacks who combined to have a sixteen to thirteen TDI and T rate. I'm no fan of DJU, but at least he can fling the ball down the field and he can run around. You can at least scheme an offense for him. And Oregon State has a good offensive line and they can run the ball real well with Martinez. So they're. For sure, DJU is an upgrade over two guys that can't run and had a 16-13 TDINT, and they can play defense as well. They did lose a couple guys. Uh, Rajon Wright and Alex Austin were solid, like outside press man guys, and then they lost uh, Spates in the portal to LSU. That hurts. Um, but their def- I think their defense takes a small step back, but I think their offense takes a, a, a bit of a step forward. I think those two things offset each other qualitatively. They're around the same place. They're facing this easy schedule. I think they get to nine wins. And then the UCLA one might surprise some people out there because the the best win total that Dorian Thompson Robinson ever got to in the regular season was nine wins. And now he leaves and I'm saying they're going to get to nine wins, but their schedule is just so friggin' easy. So like, and, and basically the way that I see it is this defense that they have is going to be better than any of the DTR era defenses. So, so you have that going for you. You have a, a really strong offensive line. They they got the receiving core really good. You bring in Sturdivant and, and, and different stuff like that. And then they they fixed the running back thing between Harden's coming back. That kid was really good per snap. And then you brought in Carson Steele, who was top five in the nation last. He's like probably one of tackles. your favorite running backs ever, I'm sure. Tim Riggins. Um, I, hear he's, I hear he's running third string. Who, Carson Steele? Yeah, that would be good for my unders on a uh, prize picks. They opened Mr. Carson see a little bit high. I, I was go- more going under the supposition that uh, Harden would be the one a of a platoon there, but I would actually love if he was running third string. Cause and, then, and to your I would point, that I mean, down. it's another year in chip Kelly's system. It's another year of players being on like, you know, I know it's been a while since chip Kelly's been at UCLA, but his system takes a little bit of time to implement personnel takes a little bit of time to build up. You know, it's one of those things where he inherited a, a football team that wasn't his identity at all. Now, you know, years later, he's got his guys. For so sure. I, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Um, and the schedule, they're both are so easy. Now, Oregon State, tr- tr- it's tricky for me. Is they Are gonna, they going to play angry? Like, we're left behind? Or are they just going to be like after a couple losses? Like, Ugh. you know, what, what do we do? We're, we've got no home. We're Mountain Westers. That one's intriguing to me, but I see where you're going with UCLA. Yeah, I, well, I think I think Oregon State's going to be surly, but it, it it will be interesting. And they better be. Speaking of another team be. that that could be surly or could you know could go the other way, the the other one that was left behind, Washington State, their win total. This is another one where it depends on where you look, either six or six and a half, depending on your book. I see Washington State a little bit different than some other people, so I'll be curious how you see them. They lost some guys over the uh, season, both to the portal and to the NFL. Obviously, the program facing an uncertain future. 
What do you think about Washington State, Mike, and with that six, six and a half win total? Not really. I mean, six. <sighs> I don't like six and a half. Um, I'm not that high on this football team. I'm not that high on Ward. I'm, I'm not that high on, you know, uh, anything about them. I'm not saying they're, you know, Arizona, Arizona State level or, or worse than that, Stanford and Colorado level. But I, I just don't – I don't really like this football team. I, I'm not really sold on, you know, Cam Ward as their leader and, and a guy that's going to make a big difference in a, in a quarterback-heavy conference – He's below, you know, the middle of the pack for me. So I, I would say if six is your number, you're going to probably push. Six and a half, I wouldn't touch, but I would lean under if I had to bet it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going under on Wazoo. They lost so much, uh, in, you know, both to the NFL, like Deion Henley, you know, went, went to the NFL. They lost a couple guys like that. But then they also got picked off in the portal, and, and that's what really hurt. They lost uh, Francisco Mayoga to, to Miami. They lost uh, Dijon Stribling to Oklahoma State, Donovan Ollie to Cincinnati, Travion Brown to Arizona State. They lost a, a left tackle to USC. So they lost all these different guys. Their defense, you know, that was one of the salty things of their team last year. They also lost their defensive coordinator. Well, they also lost their offensive coordinator, but the, their defensive coordinator gone now too. So you you have to replace all this different stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the program uncertainty as well. Uh, they didn't get close to the amount of value out of the portal that they lost to the portal. So I think their defense is going to greatly regress. And then the offense, you're basically putting all this pressure now on Cam Ward. I think Cam Ward is super duper overrated. I've been saying this now for the last year and a half or whatever. There was a whole bunch of people that were super excited about Cam Ward when he's coming out of the FCS. And I think a lot of it had to do with it was a year after Zappy had come out. And they done, you know, Western Kentucky just on the thing of, oh, let's grab Zappy. Let's grab eight guys from that offense. Let's grab the offensive court. Let's hire everybody from Houston Baptist. And then the next year, Wazoo is like, oh, let's do the same thing. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Cam Ward's going to be the next uh, draft pick. And I think, you know, he threw for over 3,000 yards. And so I think some people just kept going along with that idea of like, oh, Cam Ward's an NFL quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. He stunk last year. Like, I'm sorry, he did throw for over 3,000 yards, but he was not good. It was a lot of close-to-the-line manufactured touches. He made a lot of mistakes, though, with that stuff. Even though it was like layup throws for him, he like he did not sense pressure well, even though he was allowed to get the ball out of his hands really quick. And he put the ball up for grabs a lot, even though they did not trust him to throw down the field. Uh, I do not trust Cam Ward to make a leap up in his game that is going to require for Wazoo to get comfortably over this number. I think Wazoo is absolutely in jeopardy of missing a bowl game. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they're a five and seven team. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they're a four and eight team. So I'm I'm absolutely going under on them. Speaking of a couple other under teams, now we're really dropping to the bottom of the barrel, and then we'll get to the funnest team at the bottom of the barrel in this conference. But first, let's Mike, let's talk about Cal who's five, five or five and a half, depending on where you look in the market, and Arizona State, who is four and a half uh, universally across the market. Do you have any thoughts on those two teams? Um, I'd say under on both. Um, Arizona State, you know, Drew Pine, uh, I don't think is the solution. I think Jaden Rashad is going to play a lot there as a true freshman. <laughs> Um, you know, Kenny Dillingham is a good offensive mind, but he inherited a team that's not very good. He's got 50, well, not 50, he's got 40 plus portal guys. It's a brand yeah. new roster. I mean, everybody, everybody talks about Dion and his overhaul. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a rough year for them. You know, four and eight would be a great year, but I'm still saying under. And then Cal, I, I just don't think they have, you know, an identity. They've got some solid players defensively. Uh, I think he's a solid coach, but I don't see anything that scares me on the outside. I don't see a running game that scares me. I certainly don't see quarterback play that scares me. Uh, nothing to me says that that's going to be a five and seven football team. I, and five is under. Uh, so I think they're closer to four and eight, and, and I would take the under if it's five and a half. I'm under on both those teams, too. Uh, Cal, my system's 4.2 wins, you know, and they were five or five and a half, depending on your book. Definitely shade them under. Really sad what's happening to Justin Wilcox there. They actually had the makings of a really fun offense if Plummer had come back, if Sturdivant had come back. If uh, Byron Cardwell, who they got out of the portal, hadn't gotten injured just recently, different stuff like that, but they they got picked off in the portal, then Cardwell gets injured. I, I don't know what's going to go on with there. They they need to get lucky that uh, Snake's on a plane, Sam Jackson, the, the TCU transfer, that he's good, right, right out of the box, or that could be a rough year on offense for them. I got to go under on that one. And then Arizona State, I totally agree with you, Mike. Drew Pine is not the answer. Uh, uh, Borgay is, is that how you pronounce that kid's name? Trenton Borgay, yeah, he's definitely yeah. not the answer. We've seen plenty of that kid, uh, last year. Those two guys combined couldn't throw the ball beyond 40 yards. If you combine their longest throws, they got to get Rashada to just put Rashada in. Let's start this thing right away. And and I think Dillingham, that's going to be what he wants. That's his prerogative anyway right? Like is, is to start building this thing out. So I, I think that's the way that you're going to see that thing go. I totally agree with you. That's why I would shade that thing under anyway. My system's got 3.9 wins on them. Like I, it's not a super talented roster anyway. So, and, and they, the schedule's not the easiest either there. Um, so going from the team that had the second most uh, transfer portal acquisitions in history to the most by margin, the Colorado mm-hmm. Buffaloes, a team of endless, endless, endless intrigue, Mike. Uh, a team set at three and a half uh, wins in, in Las Vegas. You've seen so many takes on this team over the offseason. Some people being like, you know, this is brilliant and Dion's, you know, a gift to the sport. Other people thinking Dion's taking down college football and what is he doing trying to, you know, NFL eyes the Colorado Buffaloes, everything like that. What do you think about what he's doing at Colorado? And then what do you think about the three and a half win total that's been set on the Buffaloes for this coming season? Well, he's a miraculous hire. He's the best hire in college football history from a return on investment standpoint. He hasn't coached one game. Uh, They've been on national television uh, for their spring game uh, on ESPN, and nobody cared about this team. They were 1-11 last year. They're in the news every day. Everybody's talking about him. What he's done in the portal is cutthroat. It's probably not... Uh, the, of the highest character, but you know, Dion's going to do what Dion does. The administrator is going to back what he does. Um, and now they're moving to the Big 12 and saving their own lives. And they were actually the first team, uh, a target of the Big 12 because of Dion, as opposed to a throw in with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah before he was hired. So it's a genius hire. Love it. He's not ruining college football. Um, He's doing what he needs to do. That being said, he's inheriting a horrible roster. You now he's purged most of them. He's bringing in 50 plus um, hired guns, so to speak. You know, guys that are leaving their teams, whether they were successful or not successful, highly rated kids. Um, but the schedule doesn't play out at all for them to win four football games. I, I dare you to find four. You might not find three. 
if you look, this is a two and 10, three and nine football team this season. Uh, Shadur Sanders is the most overrated quarterback in college football. He's not ready for this level and he doesn't have the weapons to be ready for this level. There are people who out there saying that he's a potential, you know, leave early NFL guy, you know, first, second round. None of that's true. People don't know what to think of this team, but when you look at the record, I mean, they're 21 point underdogs to TCU. And what Vegas is going to do is they're going to make those lines low and tantalize you. I would bet my mortgage on TCU to cover that. Uh, and, and every team after that, the, the lines will correct themselves in Vegas after the first few games. But, you know, outside of Colorado State, and including uh, some other teams that are really bad in the Pac-12, where is a potential guaranteed win? So it's under. Man, you, you were really spitting there. And I was even going to put my hand up and start doing the preach thing until you started shooting strays at Shadir Sanders. Oh, God. Man, I, oh, we couldn't disagree stronger about Shadir. We're, we're going to have to see this. Oh, we're going to find out. We're, we're going to find we out. Find, we, we might have to do so some here's side bets on here's Shadir. The, we will. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the thing. I was thinking about it with Cam Ward. Yeah. Everybody wants to find that guy you know, in the NFL, that is a quarterback that isn't highly rated and they want to be the smart one. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to find that FCS quarterback. They're going up to power five and they want to be the smart guy. That's why people like Cam Ward. It's why people hung in on Cam Ward. And this is what it's happening with Sugar Sanders. He's FCS to power five. It's going to be a real awakening for him, not just because he's not good. I'm not saying he stinks. He has no weapons. You can throw Travis Hunter out there all you want. That's great. He's a super duper great cornerback, wide receiver at the high school level. You know, he he had his moments at the FCS level. Different ball game, and it's not the SEC. I get it, but there's some pretty darn good football players, especially defensive backs in the Pac-12 this year. For sure. And so. They're not going to be able to gain separation. They're not going to be able to get open for them. They're going to dumb down the playbook. They're going to try to do a lot of quick throws because the offensive line is going to stink. They're going to try to get the ball out of his hands fast. But it's just not going to work. So we definitely disagree on Shooter Sanders. Yeah, and, and speaking to the schedule, so the the non-con, like you're, I mean, no favors there. Yeah, open on the road against TCU. Uh, my system has uh, adjusted underdog of 16.3 for Colorado on that one. Then you're home against Matt Rules, Nebraska. At least you're going to have a shot to win that, but I have Colorado as a five-point underdog in that one. Then you're home against uh, Colorado State, which that's one of your best shots to win a game. Colorado State, though, I will say is going to be way better this year than they were the year before, moving into year two of that system. Last year was a, a aberration. You had to you know, like all the guys were new and then they had all, all kinds of offensive line issues and Are injuries you saying and everything. Adazio is not a good coach. Adazio is the worst coach, Mike. You know that. The worst coach yeah. ever. And but yeah, he's not Mr. Congeniality either, Mr. Steve Adazio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so I have Colorado 11.7 uh, point adjusted favorite in that one. But like I said, uh, it, one of two games where I have them as an adjusted favorite or technically three, but the, the other ones in week seven at home against Stanford, 12 point adjusted favorite and then the other one i was saying technically because they host arizona week 11 i have colorado's an adjusted one point favorite those are the only three on the entire schedule the other games oregon usc uh at arizona state 
UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, Utah. That is a friggin' brutal schedule. Only one G5 team, no FCS teams. You have an unprecedented roster turnover, a head coach that's never coached in the Power Five before or in the FBS before. Uh, this could be tough. Is this, this is a tough assignment for old Colorado. They don't know each other. They haven't played. I mean, Shadar Sanders said uh, after this, I think it was after, it might have been a recent practice or it might have been earlier. He's like, we got a lot of guys. I can't tell you their names, but we got a lot of guys. Yeah, because you don't know their names. You know Travis Hunter because he was your teammate. You don't know any of these guys. The, 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 the defense, it's, they're, they're meeting each other in the defensive huddle. They're shaking hands. There's no continuity. There's no cohesion. This is just a st- bunch of strangers coming together as an all-star squad. And that's great. You can do that at IMG in high school. You can do that at Jackson State in FCS. You can't do that at the Power 5 level. So that's a real big concern that both of us have about this team. Mike, their name is Gucci. Louis. Oh, Louis. I forgot. Louis Vuitton, man. I know you don't know that stuff. Uh, I do because I have a wife, and I try to keep her away from that garbage. But, yeah, Louis Vuitton, it's expensive, and guess what? It's overrated, and it's not worth the money. But Dion is worth the money. Dion has already brought that program potentially over the life of his contract about $400 million. The guy's the best hire in the history of college football, and he's going to go two and 10 or three and nine. In year one, and then we'll see. But guys, that's all the time that we have for today, and that's going to put a wrap on our preseason series. Make sure to circle your calendars for August 26th, which is only 11 days away from from when we're recording today. I can't believe we're that close. Saturday, August 26th, our very first live show of the year. Mike, you can see this grin on my face. I can't wait. When when Mike and I start doing our live shows on Saturdays, bringing you guys through the entire slate of college football games, giving you our our picks for, for all the day's games. Make sure you, you come and check us out on our first episode. We'll, we'll be doing our maiden voyage on August 26th. And if you missed any of our previous episodes, the, the Big Ten Notre Dame episode or the SEC Big Big 12 episode, you can check those previews out on YouTube or on the, the podcast feed. Uh, so you check out all that stuff. But until then, for Mike Farrell, I'm Thorne Eistrom. Let's catch, catch some tickets.